welcome to the Vault Studios Fantasy Football Podcast, your one-stop shop for all fantasy football info. Here are your hosts. Welcome to the Vault Studio Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Lewis Glover, and I am joined once again by my co-host, Corey Easley. Corey, how you doing, man? What's up? How's it going? I'm doing great. Uh, just, little, you know, social isolating. Yes, it's uh, another week, another week of isolation, but we do have some hope on the horizon. This Friday is the NFL draft, and I, for one, cannot wait for it. What are you, uh, what are you looking forward to most about the draft? Yeah, just uh, just the intrigue. Obviously, they talked about today that they tried to do a mock draft, and the system kind of failed on the Bengals. They had like a two-and-a-half-minute glitch, so... It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out with just the technology and everything, but plus just the players. Like, there's a lot of talk about all these prospects, and it'll be interesting to see where they go, where they fall, if any veterans get traded as well. Absolutely, for sure. There's been a few rumors circulating. I'm sure we're going to get into them on our show, and we are joined by some guests. Uh, but before we bring those guests in, just want to let everyone know that our show is once again brought to you by Breaking Oz Memorabilia. They're formally breaking the game down under. They are rebranded and still bringing you some of the best authentic sign helmets and merchandise, jerseys, etc. in Australia. So search Breaking Oz Memorabilia on Facebook. Get involved in the Facebook group there. Join a break and you can win yourself some very nice looking swag for you know, 10% of the cost it would, uh, you know, set you back on Fanatics or one of those other websites. They do also have an online store that's in development as well. So if you are looking for a very specific piece, they might be able to source that for you and sell it to you directly as well. So very grateful for their support. And I did mention we have a guest and we will be joined by Aaron and Will from the College Football Down Under podcast. And we're going to bring them in right after this. If you want to help support the studio, please sign up to our Patreon. Head to www.patreon.com forward slash The Vault Studio and choose from a $1 or $5 a month sub. Also, check out our once-off $100 special where we will make a podcast on whatever you want. The power is yours. Alrighty, so without further ado... I'd like to welcome to the Vault Studio Fantasy Football Podcast for the first time, and I hope it won't be the last, Aaron and Will from the College Football Down Under Podcast. You can find them on Twitter at CFB Down Under. Aaron and Will, welcome to the podcast, boys. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Looking to get into it and have a chat to you boys. It's been a really exciting lead up to the draft, and we're keen to chat to some other more knowledgeable NFL fans as well, which is good. Yeah, what's up? I'm uh, thrilled to be here too. This is going to be great. Yeah, uh, look, it's our pleasure uh, to have you on the show. Thank you for 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 joining us, and it's going to be great to get the perspective of a couple of people who are diehard college football enthusiasts. Um, so, guys, why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast, how you guys got started, and you know where your love of college football really began? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, we kind of have been around for about two and a half years now, leading into our third season of college football. We, like a lot of Australians, probably got into American football through the NFL, and then there was a bit of an organic transition into college football for us uh, through both Will travelling overseas, and I'm sure he'll tell you more about that uh, in a second, 
And that, that transition seemed to happen really naturally for us. I was always taken with the, the pageantry and the fanfare of college football, the history and the tradition and the apparent lack of uh, professional business-like dollars involved in the sport, although that still exists. Uh, it doesn't seem to quite drive the entire competition like it does for the NFL. So that was probably where my interest started and it's only kind of grown from there. Yeah, I mean, I think all that money is just kind of under the table. Like, it's all <laughs> below board, so you can't see it there. But no, like, you're spot on. Uh, I think for the two of us, we, we were young kids kind of growing up, got into American football, uh, saw that historic Rose Bowl, Texas-USC game, and then that was like, what is this sport? Like, I, I know NFL, but but what is this? And and that really was kind of the first hook and, and then kind of started to follow some college storylines, like the, the early Florida teams kind of stand out and Tim Tebow and, and what he was able to bring to the table really kind of caught both of us to the point where I, uh, I decided I was going to study so I could go on exchange to Oklahoma State University. Like that was the main driver behind my three-year degree was so that I could go spend a year in America living the college football life. Like I chose Oklahoma State because they had the best football program of the teams that were available, the schools that were available for me to go to. I could have been hanging out in sunny uh, California, San Diego State University. Would have been all right. Party scene there is pretty good. Football. <laughs> not so great so that kind of like I, I spent over a year over there came back and and just kind of had really grown my love for the game and and with Kempi as you know one of my best mates we just kind of took it to the next level and then we didn't miss too many Sunday mornings here like starting at 2 a.m Saturday night we would be out at the club then we'd drag ourselves home and dial in for another like 12 14 hours of football on a regular basis like we, we were just mad for it so we kind of we, we've been doing that for a number of years and then we thought let's start talking about it like the, australia has a real connection to college football with the the punting pipeline that has been developed so we, we kind of wanted to start to bring our our take on the game uh, we wanted to open it up to other australians there is a real strong american football community here in australia and, and we wanted to kind of continue to grow that and and have that college football edge because that's where our passion lies Awesome. I'm I'm glad to hear that someone else chose their exchange studies destination based on the uh, strength of a football program as well, because that's exactly what I did picking picking Florida State. There was a few other places I, I could have gone to, and uh, they haven't been so good recently. But the time I was there was, uh, you know, the you know, peak peak uh, peak football, peak Jameis Winston and, and national oh. championship time. So yeah, that was uh, that was pretty awesome to to be around during that that time period and yeah i think it's it's great what you guys have been doing bringing college football to australia and as you said there is there is a, a definitive australian pipeline into college football now with all the work the guys uh, a pro kick have, have been doing uh, you know exceptionally well getting getting guys placed all over and we're fortunate here at the vault as well to have someone involved with pro kick in in, in tyson beatty out there in wa as well so um really just very exciting time for the football community in Australia. And as you said, it's very passionate, very involved. And that's why guys like you and, and us here at the Vault Studio do these podcasts is to help grow American football in Australia. And uh, perhaps, perhaps Corey, someone who, who's, you know, from outside Australia, but very much a, an Australian citizen now and, and, and one <laughs> of us, uh, maybe, maybe you can speak to a little bit about what you, you, you feel like 
the, the, the passion for American football is here? Yeah, I think there it's definitely, I would say it's more of a niche type of group, but it's a passionate group. Uh, I've had the pleasure of coming across the group here in Perth that are very passionate. They play a uh, good group of guys. You know, they are very studious of the game and ever trying to learn more and more about the game as well. Uh, I think it's a, it's a developing sport. I think Australians actually probably would do very well if they actually embraced it a little bit more. Um, I think it would develop a lot of young people um, and give them opportunity that they probably have not really thought about um, going forward in their sporting careers. So I think it can definitely be, get bigger and I think it will continue to grow. Yeah, absolutely. I, it seems to grow year on year, which is just awesome for, for us because it just means that potentially more people want to hear us talk shit about things <laughs> like the upcoming NFL draft. So let's move on to that. That's why we're here. We're here to talk some of the incoming rookies in this 2020 class. And there's a lot of hype around quite a few players coming in. And because we are the fantasy football podcast, we are going to focus on the skill position players, the, the guys that can have a, a fantasy impact coming forward. But there's you know, there's a ton of other prospects, uh, you know, that will have an impact uh, on the NFL and subsequently on on fantasy as well, like your linemen, like your defensive ends, and all the other all the other players as well. But but guys, let's let's kick off with the most important position and let's let's look at this quarterback class going forward. And obviously, the all of the headlines right now are surrounding Joe Burrow and Tua Tungavailoa. What do you guys think about? Tua, because I think we can all agree Joe Burrow is just dialed in, locked in, going 101 to the Cincinnati Bengals. But there's a lot of variance around what could happen with with Tua. So I'll kick it to you guys first of all to share your thoughts on the situation. Where you go, Will, I know that you have got your very hot takes on Tua and his future as an NFL pro. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, firstly, I'm just impressed with the pronunciation. Like, it took me three quarters of the year before I, I got one rolling off as well there. So that's that's good, look, man. I'm, I'm impressed. But uh, I, I think Tua could be a really special prospect. Like, the, at the beginning of the year, we were talking things like tank for Tua and, like, he, he was seen as a can't-miss top-notch prospect that, then obviously had the big injury that's now the third significant injury that he's had across his career and and that's the big question mark and 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 that's what you see now so i i'm reading a lot lately that there's talk about him sliding in the draft that you know justin herbert has potentially jumped him as the the number two quarterback in this class but personally from what i've seen on the field he is a special talent and and he can produce at the next level so if he can stay healthy that is a, a question mark and and you know different fantasy players have different uh risk uh, tolerances that they're willing to take on board there. I, th I think if he's healthy and he sits, gets into a position where he can potentially sit to begin with, spend at least the first half of the season backing up. It, it's very rare these days that you get an opportunity to spend a whole year like Patrick Mahomes and then kind of learn the craft. I think you probably learned that, that there's value in doing that, but it just doesn't happen, especially for quarterbacks drafted in the first round. I think Tua potentially has an opportunity if he does slide to land into a, a a positive situation uh, and, and it's just about whether that slide happens and and what could happen there I mean there's talk of potentially the Patriots like if he makes it far far enough down that they jump up and go after him there 
I don't know, he probably becomes the number one guy with what they've got on the table at the moment. But I'm I'm big on uh, Tuara. I think he could turn out to be a very special prospect. You're talking dirty to me when you're saying two of my slides to the Patriots. That's, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, you're going to make me always the rock collar. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think the sentiment stands. He's got a fantastic arm. He is mobile. These days of kind of being either a, a, a big-armed but immobile quarterback are now sort of coming to an end. And you see these guys that can move around, and he's extremely athletic. He's got good feet in the pocket, uh, and he's got an elite arm as well. He can make all the throws. What you want to see from those players at the college level looking to take the next step is can they throw that deep out? Can they throw that deep comeback to the far side of the field from the opposite hash. And he can make all those throws. So there's no concerns about him as a player. Will's got concerns about his Wonderlick test, but I'll move past that. And it's really, for me, it's can he stay healthy? And you are silly. If you're the Dolphins sitting there and you don't take him, I just I can't understand why you would, you would pass. You need to fire your shot. And to me, he's the second best quarterback in the draft. You got to pull the trigger. Yeah, I couldn't agree more in just a, a franchise taking the risk on him because if it's Miami and it doesn't work out, they burn the fifth overall pick. It's kind of a so what situation because it's not like they're giving up all of their picks and mortgaging their future to get up and get this guy because the the risk reward is just so great and first round picks pan out at a rate of you know about fifty percent anyway. So who, he, he just seems like a sure thing, but but. I'm going to throw it over to Corey because I think Corey's got some thoughts on 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 Tua. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Tua, so oh. I'm going <laughs> against all of you. Now, if he lands to the Patriots at 23, okay, I'll I'll become a fan maybe. Um, <laughs> but my concern, obviously, is the same as everyone else's uh, injury red flags. Played 32 college games, has had five surgeries. Like that's not good. Um, if we're looking at Sam Bradford 2.0, I'm not in at all um you know i'm just obviously he's a talent i'm not saying that he's not but the injury thing is very scary as quarterback obviously is the most important position on the field And if you can't stay on the field then that's a problem and that's the problem for any franchise looking to move up for him and you say you know the dolphins you know the dolphins at five like they're gonna have to move up technically if they really, if they want to, up, they're going to have to move up just because they can't risk the chance of getting sniped somewhere else. Um, so I think that for the draft capital that you need to spend on Tua, it's just it's a little bit scary. Like I'm not saying that he's not going to pan out because he could, but the injury thing is a real real concern. Um, having five surgeries after only playing 32 games is a problem. And we'll see. Like, I, I'm not enamored with this QB class at all. So um, Joe Burrow or bust for me. And then after that, it's just kind of – I'd rather wait. I'd rather get a guy like, you know, someone that we're talking about later, Jalen Hurts. So that's just my right. take. That's, and that's, that's fair, right? You're not – it's not a critique of Tua's ability or anything like that. You're just genuine – just uh, generally concerned of his durability and all of the surgeries that he's had. And that's a – that's just a, something that you're factoring into the to the risk of the pick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just from a, a pure analytical perspective, Tua might be the, the best prospect, you know, in the last 30, 30 years, just in terms of what he produced at the college level. 
Kyler Murray broke records. Baker Baker Mayfield broke records. And Tua's analytical profile leaves those guys in the dust. It's just absurd, the level of production that he had. Of course, he was in a powerhouse program. Of course, he he has, you know, allegedly three to four first-round picks playing with him at receiver. But, you know, he's an incredible talent. As, uh, every, you know, you guys were just saying, he, he can make every single throw that you want of him. He is the perfect mold of this new type of, of quarterback, the mobile quarterback. So... A team that gets him, if he can stay healthy, it's going to be a you know a great thing for him. And the, I, I suppose now with the rookie contracts as well, teams maybe be more willing to take a bit of a risk on him because you won't end up with a Sam Bradford-like situation where you had to pay this guy eighty millions or sixty million dollars or whatever it was before he'd even taken a snap. So at least there is that you know risk baked into the contract you're going to be handing out to him as well. I you know he seems like a great kid. I hope it really works out for him. And and if you guys had a, a perfect landing spot for, for Tua, where would you want to see him fall? Forget forget picks. Just I'm talking scheme, weapons, perfect fit for Tua. Where would you like to see him land? Kempi, you got something for us? Um, I don't I, – I, well, my take on this is that I, I don't care. As long as he stays away from the NFC South, I'm kind of okay with it. Uh, which, you know, at this stage, Carolina sitting there, don't think so. Uh, but my big concern for him is I never thought uh, Lamar Jackson was going to turn out to be what he was going to be. And going into that system, which was always run heavy, defense first, and, you know, I never thought that he was going to amount to anything because he was going to be limited by his offensive coordinator and the coaching staff around him in Harbour. We've seen that that's not the case, and they flipped that offense and reconstructed something that goes against his philosophy. So I think this idea of an ideal landing spot in terms of a coaching staff is a a bit of a myth these days. I don't want to see him end up at New York. I know there was this idea that New York were flirting with Justin Herbert and Tour and they could take someone a year after taking Daniel Jones. I think that would be the most disgusting place he could land. I'd I'd actually like to see him go, I think, um, to the Chargers. I think they've got a really good defense. They've got a new stadium they're going into. Their offensive line is horrific, uh, but it makes sense. You know, Tyrod Taylor's the guy there, but if he can't supplant him within about three minutes of being in the building, then they've got a real issue. But, you know, if, if they do that and then the next picks that the Chargers make are all offensive linemen, then I think they should be in a good place. Yeah, I tend to agree with the charges, except for the fact that he will be pressed into play early. Like with that hip, I know he's saying he's okay. I I think he would benefit from having a bit of time. Like I'm talking at least half a season. And as you said, like if he's in San Diego, I don't know, not San Diego anymore, LA, (laughs) that that ain't happening. Uh, Where I think that could happen at Sneaky Play is Miami. I think if they do, if they've been talking all this Herbert love there, I think if they do go to a Fitzpatrick's the man there. They can roll with him for another year and and, and that can play There's out. There's no and- way. There's no way that Miami will settle. The Miami fan will be calling for him to get in there ASAP. So I just don't see Fitzpatrick being a long-term idea for them. To be fair, though, like all 36 fans at the Miami games won't be that loud. <laughs> so it's not. it's not a... You know, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> now, I see. I, I, I'm, I'm on the charges. I think that'd be a great landing spot. He's got weapons there. 
He's got Keenan Allen, who is just open continuously. They've got the tight end in Hunter Henry, and they've got a deep threat in Mike Williams as well. And the offensive line is questionable, but they have made strides to Im- to improve that. They signed uh, Belaga, I think, in free agency. They also traded with the Panthers to switch um, to switch offensive linemen there as well. So, you know, it's it, it's better than it was, but yeah, that is still a concern. I, you know, I like Tyrod Taylor. I, I think everyone sort of remembers Tyrod as his fateful stint as the Brown starter for two and a half games or whatever it was. But Tyrod was was low-key okay in Buffalo, considering the surrounding cast that he had. I mean, he led that team to a, 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 a nine-and-seven record, and Kelvin Benjamin and Andre Holmes were his two primary weapons. Like, this guy throws the ball uh, deep well, and the, 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 the thing that works with the charges is – you know, Tua is just a better version of Tyrod. They're both mobile guys. They both have a howitzer for an arm. And I think that they can spend some time implementing the scheme that they like and not force uh, Tua out there on the field too soon. But, you know, at, at the risk of turning this into an entire podcast about <laughs> about Tua, um, we should let's 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 move on. All I will say from fantasy purposes, if he's healthy, Tua is going to be fantasy money. And even as a late round quarterback, because people are going to be scared off about whether he's going to start. And we've seen time and time again, every single quarterback that has rushing ability, be it Tyrod Taylor, be it Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, um, you know, uh, obviously Lamar Jackson has just been been a, a cheat code, but all of these guys give you so much with their with their rushing ability, and Tua is going to going to do the same. Uh, and so we, yeah, mo- mo- moving on from Tua. Otherwise, the the uh, episode title is just going to be the the guys talk about Tua for an hour and a half. And as fun as that would be, I think we we should we should move on. What do you guys think about Joe Burrow going to the Bengals in terms of coming in and, and having immediate production? I, I think it's it's not a bad spot. It's not nearly as bad a spot as a lot of other first overall quarterbacks have had to walk into. I think having AJ Green available, assuming he is, uh, from the get-go is a, is a massive weapon that he'll have at his disposal. I think they, they have an offensive-minded coach in there. Like I, I like it as a landing spot for him. I think he had one of the most special seasons we've ever seen from a college athlete at the quarterback at LSU this year. And like there are certainly much worse spots to fall into than what he's got with Cincinnati there. So I'm actually fairly bullish on that. Uh, I think it's going to take a bit of time. I think their defense still has a lot of building to do. But from a fantasy point, he'll be he'll have every opportunity to be putting up numbers. Like he's going to be chucking the ball around a lot there. So like if, if I'm looking at that, he's, he's certainly the first one that comes off the board in my mind. And from what we've seen, there's nothing to say that he's not going to be a successful 10-year starter in the league. I mean, yeah, we say there's a you know 50% hit, and, hit rate for first-round quarterbacks. I don't know what it's like on first overall, but the, he has shown that elite accuracy that you want to see and his, his presence in the pocket, all, all these traits that you really like, I think it might take a little bit longer for it to, to come on, but he's he's as, as close to a slam dunk as I think you can come along with. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to agree with that one. I think that we've seen one good season from Joe Burrow. You talk about his elite accuracy, and it was last year, and, and we saw what he did uh, under a revitalized 
offense, which was fantastic for for LSU. But and and I rate Zach Taylor as a young uh, offensive head coach at Cincinnati. But there is a lot that is there's a few question marks still around uh, Joe Burrow and the fact that. He had one good season, but he had a really bad season the year before as well. The accuracy wasn't there. The completion percentage wasn't there. And then he just turned into a superstar. So I'm going to sit on the fence here and whichever way he falls, I get to claim that I'm right. So it could be spectacularly mediocre. He could flame out and he could be a superstar. Again, if you're Cincinnati, you've got to go with him because he has shown those elite traits. But there's still just something in the back of my mind in terms of the consistency from year to year that I I just, I'm not 100% sure. Again, he had elite receivers in his back pocket as well. And, you know, can he throw into those tight windows? I would say yes. His anticipation is fantastic. Uh, and his ability to squeeze into those tight windows for LSU was great. Can he do it consistently in the NFL? Uh, we'll see. Corey? Yeah, um, with Joe Burrow, I I think he's going to be at least, you know, one of those guys that probably plays for a very long time. I don't know if he's ever going to be elite, but I don't think he's going to be um, t- terrible or anything like that. I think worst case scenario, he's another Andy Dalton and he just keeps playing. Uh, he's your, your measuring stick for an average NFL quarterback um, with a – a higher ceiling than Andy Dalton, obviously. Um, so that's kind of my perspective on Joe Burrow. I don't think he just comes up, you know, comes in the league blowing everything up and, you know, being elite, elite. But um, he does have the ceiling to become that, to become an elite quarterback. However, I do think his floor is a bit higher than most. So that's why he's really the safer choice um, in this in this draft. Where do you guys think he falls from a fantasy perspective? I'd be interested in that take. I think he's a perfect late round quarterback option because, you know, people tend to stray away from from rookie quarterbacks. All the hype is going to be on on What's that? <laughs> I said me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just as 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 uh Will you already mentioned the defense is just shambolic. The defense is is terrible, and he's going to be throwing it a, a lot. And the weapons that he has, if they all stay healthy, I think it was the best thing for AJ Green. I think I said it on last week's podcast that he was healthy. He could have played last season. There was just no reason for him to do so. And the Bengals want to get a long-term deal done with him. So they want him there for at least two, three more seasons. So they must be comfortable in, in his health. So he's got AJ Green. He's got Tyler Boyd, who proves that he's one of the best slot receivers in the league. Even John Ross started to put it together last year before he got hurt, just as a just as a field stretcher, just as to to make sure that the the, the defense respects that deep threat. And we've seen Burrow hit it as well, so it's it's not like he's a Teddy Bridgewater check down Charlie. So, and 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 uh, coming out of the backfield, Joe Mixon is an incredible receiving back. So I think they're going to be able to do a lot with with those guys, providing they stay healthy. So with the weapons, with the volume that we're likely to see out of Burrow. I think, you know, you're going to be able to come and get this guy around QB 16, QB 18 around there in drafts and really, you know, get a get a ton of return on him because I think people are going to be, be scared away from the Bengals. I mean, Andy Dalton a couple of years ago was a consistent value in fantasy because people didn't want any part of the Bengals. And 
you know, he wasn't he wasn't breaking records for you, but he was a serviceable starter week in, week out, uh, particularly when there was good matchups. So that's what I see for Burrow this year. Awesome. Well, I'm going to take all your advice because my fantasy team continues to scratch through to playoffs and then we just bomb out. So again, if I can shift the blame to somebody else, I'm going to do that this year. So <laughs> thanks, guys. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's a, there's a few more quarterbacks in the class. We've got Herbert, Jordan Love, and, and Jalen Hurts as well. Um, Justin Herbert is getting a lot of buzz at the moment, potentially that he could be the guy Miami go for instead. Uh, I, I, again, this is this is a guy that depending, not even depending on where he lands, he might not be a good NFL quarterback. He might be like Josh Allen, but he's athletic. He can move. And he will add value on the ground with his legs because he's an incredibly good athlete. He's a big body. He moves well. He's got a great vertical. And a team is going to be invested in him. They're going to spend a high pick on him. And he's going to get a lot lot of rope. So what, what did you guys see watching Justin Herbert over the past, what, three, four years as a starter at Oregon? So, I mean, Justin Herbert, for me, going into this year, was one of the players that I was most excited about watching. Like, he had those physical traits coming into this year, and I was really excited to see if he could take that next step to become an elite playmaker. We, we know Oregon had a really good side this year. They had a, a, a solid defense. They had one of the best offensive lines in all of college football. It was all set for him to make that next step and, and to push Oregon up, and it kind of fizzled. Like I, I was disappointed with what we saw uh, across the year from what I was hoping. Like He wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination, but something that we were repetitively talking about on the year was we just want to see that one area that he just – or the, that one game that he just rips apart or, or that one sign of him really flashing and, and showing that he had that killer mentality, and it never really eventuated. Like we we saw a lot of great throws because he has a cannon. We, we saw some, some good bits and pieces. They won chunks of games, but <sighs> – I was disappointed across his final year at Oregon, and I'm not surprised to see that he's getting all this love in the in the pre-draft hype because his measurables are amazing. Like in shorts, he throws the ball really well. <laughs> I I'm not someone who would be looking to pick him up in a, a standard redraft league. I think uh, he's going to take a bit more time to develop because we just haven't seen him on the same level as the other two guys that we've been talking about so far. Like those guys are streets ahead in terms of playing football at an elite level. He could potentially get there. I mean, the skills all there. He finds lands in the right spot. The the potential is there, but I'm certainly not gambling on that this year to happen uh, and you'd, you'd need to have kind of a, a deep taxi squad to be able to sit in there and, and be comfortable to, to wait on that to build for, for my take. Yeah, I think from a not-so-fantasy football perspective, I think Justin Herbert's of all the quarterbacks, has moved the least from where we thought he was going to be. Joe Burrow flew up draft boards on his season. Two has probably dropped a little bit. Jordan Love came out of nowhere and Justin Herbert really hasn't gone anywhere and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing necessarily he doesn't read the game as well as someone like joe burrow he doesn't go through his progressions as effectively uh, but he, again another big arm quarterback and if you're in a team that takes him in the top you know 10 to 15 i think you've got to be excited why not you know if, if you're going to pick him there pick him and and be excited about it there's no point in kind of 
I don't understand teams that are considering, oh, I'll take him at 15 and then we'll look to draft someone when we bomb next year as well. If, if you take him, you take him and you think he's worth the investment. I think he's going to be not Blaine Gabbert, but, you know, he, he again is someone who I don't think works out at the NFL level. He'll have some good seasons, don't get me wrong, but is he going to be a 15-year starter in the league? I don't see it from Justin Herbert. Yeah, as far as Justin Herbert goes, I think I mentioned this last pod. Um, <laughs> the height scares me. He's six six. Um, I'm looking at Ryan Mallet two point um everything I've seen so far from him is a little bit scary. Um, he just he he fits the bill. Like everyone's like, oh yeah, he you know he does this, and he does that. He's like your uh, use a baseball reference, a five tool <laughs> player. Um, right, he's got yeah. all he's got all the tools, but. Um, it just doesn't something doesn't click right. It's just it's a little bit. He's John Elway's um, wet dream, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> you know exactly what I expect from a a John Elway type draft pick as well. Um, yeah, I just don't see how um, a team gets the best out of him. Like I'm, I'm really worried that you know a team takes him and throws him in there, and you know he just really bombs. So. He's probably the one I'm uh, just most pessimistic on of all these guys. I just don't see I don't see the ceiling, so that's what worries me with him. I just don't know what he could be. Like obviously, he's got all the talent in the world, but can he put it together? I mean, there's a lot of talk about him not commanding a presence as well. Um, he just kind of leads by example, but he doesn't say much. He doesn't talk in you know the huddles and things like that. I don't know if that's a big thing but it seems like with all your legendary type quarterbacks like that's a big thing like to be that rah-rah guy that guy you know that can you know grab your best receiver by the shirt and say you know this is what you need to do like is he gonna be that guy i don't know and just yeah a lot of things worry about i worry about with him as a prospect yeah so one of the guys i uh, whose content I love to to consume is Brett Coleman on YouTube. I think he does excellent breakdowns of you know college players, pro players on both sides of the ball. And his explanation for Justin Herbert was Mitchell Trubisky turned up to eleven, and that his his highs are even higher and his lows are even lower. And I love that comparison. And some of the decision making he 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 broke down it was just it was jaw-droppingly bad and you can excuse some of that or at least you were able to with Mitchell Trubisky because he was drafted having played 13 games Justin Herbert's coming in as like a 30 plus game you know experience in college and is ex- going to be expected to come in and 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 com- start o- almost right away and there's just so many red flags in terms of his decision making and, and and some of the stuff he does out there. Having said that, if he lands lands in Miami, there's no better quarterback than to, you know, learn from being a bad decision maker, running around and having a wicked arm in Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, you know, maybe that could be a maybe that could be an awesome fit. So, some red flags about Herbert. But again, if he does get the starting nod, this is a guy who's going to be free in fantasy and will get you points with his legs. Um, yeah, just just a big athlete guy like like Josh Allen in his rookie year. He 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 wasn't too productive through the air, but he got on the field and was like, oh wow, this guy is this guy is a genuine athlete, and he he was able to scramble for first downs. He was a you know rushing for touchdowns at the goal line. So you can see something like that with Herbert as well. But 
concerns concerns from an NFL perspective as, as whether he's going to pan out as a starter for me. Um, there's a couple more quarterbacks who are, who are touted as, you know, high second, mid-second round prospects in, in Jordan Love. And there's talk that potentially a team might look to come back into the first round to get that fifth-year option on Jordan Love. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah said uh, on, on part of my take that of all of the upside and the physical tools, Jordan Love is the highest of these quarterbacks that he has graded, but he has so much work to do, which is why a team might want to come into the first round to, to pick him up. And we have Jalen Hurts as well. I don't see either of these guys becoming starters, you know, this season, potentially even next season. So they're completely off the fantasy radar for this year, barring injury. But just for, you know, sort of completeness and, completeness and wrapping up the quarterbacks, do you guys have strong opinions either way on on Love and, and Hurts? I mean, for me, Jordan Love is the biggest one that I would be steering clear of. I, I, I do not understand the the love that he is getting like yeah I, I guess there's there's physical tools but i mean he was not great at utah state like what what out there is is making people think that he's going to be able to step up to the nfl and then it's all going to click for him and all of a sudden he's going to be like an elite player there I, I just don't see it with him. Uh, I'm I'm really off of him. I, I'd be steering well clear, and I'd be very surprised if it all does come together for him. Like, yeah, great, but I, I just can't see it happening. Yeah, um, I, I don't necessarily buy the small school kind of setup. Uh, you know, not everybody went to a big school, whether it was you know Nick Foles or Carson Wentz. Not everybody goes to a big-time school, so I'm, I'm not necessarily buying the that small school guys can't go and become elite quarterbacks. I just don't think he's that good, though. And and while I said if you pick Herbert and you'd get excited about him, I would – this is – if I was there, which I can't be, virtually I'd be booing. Um, I would not be happy with this as a pick. I don't care how high he goes. I think he's – uh, not one I'm interested in. Jalen Hurts is another one. Again, to me, I know it's the NFL. You've got to go and find your quarterback. And if you don't have one, you've got to pick one. And I get that. But if you're picking, mortgage the farm and go and pick someone you want. If you've got the capital to be able to move up and try and grab one of these top two or three guys, go and do that. But don't sit there and wait in the second or third round, I don't think, for someone like Jalen Hurts, who notoriously doesn't throw the intermediate and short game that effectively. He can move around a little bit. His vision was you know, limited in terms of reading the field and progressions and things like that because he's not asked to do that a lot in that Lincoln-Riley offense at Oklahoma. And I, I'm, again, not buying up big on Jalen Hurts. I think he's a, he's a poor man's tour. Um, for me, Jordan Love is a big question mark. I'm not sure what we can get from his college season at Utah State. Obviously, picks were an issue, but I mean, that's not really my concern with him. It's just a big question mark. I just don't know what we're going to get from him. Uh, I'm hoping that, you know, there's, he's been mocked to the Patriots like a million times. <laughs> I'm just like, no, I don't want that. Like, uh, as far as Hurts go, Hurts goes, like, I want Hurts on the Patriots. I hope Oy. they take him like the third round or something like that. Um, if he falls that far, which he's expected to go two or three. Um, but you never know with these things. But I think Hertz is probably the most athletic quarterback in this draft. And I think the way the NFL is going, he's the perfect type of guy that you can develop and turn into that, 
you know, I guess Lamar Jackson esque. Doesn't have that quite blazing speed, but he is super fast and athletic. He was the number one dual threat quarterback coming out of high school. This guy's an absolute threat in the run game and passing wise. I think he's good enough to make it happen, just similar to like what we saw with Cam Newton, who wasn't the most accurate quarterback in college, but, um, you know, it's a former MVP, MVP of the league. So, um, if you're going to take a chance on anyone, I would take a chance on on Hertz. I just think you know finishing as a thir- uh, finish with a 38 and four record as a starter in college football that's impressive. Um, he's got you know he's got all those intangible qualities to him as well. Tremendous leadership qualities. You know he's extremely tough and durable. Um, doesn't get hurt. He's he's played in all these games. Like this is the guy that you can potentially put on the field and not have to worry about these things. You can build an offense around a quarterback, you know, and if he's got the physical tools to do it, and I think he's got maybe the biggest upside for what you would have to invest in him, especially like in dynasty leagues, I'm taking a shot on him, sticking him on my bench and seeing what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Like this, this kid shouldn't be getting out of the second round of your rookie drafts in Superflex leagues because the upside is there. And you know, to be honest, back in 2016, when he was Alabama's starter, he he was a running back for all intents and purposes, and <laughs> everything was schemed up nicely for him. But to his credit, and the he he has improved as a passer every single year, and he's taken big steps as well. His adjusted yards per attempt has gone up from 7.4, 9.3, 11.9 in a very small sample size where when when Tua took over at Bama, and then going into to Oklahoma. Oh, albeit in Lincoln Riley's system, which we've seen four years in a row, has just been absolute money for quarterbacks. But going up to uh, 12.2 adjusted yards per attempt on on his passes for a 32 touchdown and eight interception uh, ratio there. And his his rushing production was was the best of his his entire career as well. So it... He improved continually whilst still retaining and, and displaying and showing off continually the dual threat ability, which was what made him such a highly rated prospect anyway. And the, the thing that you won't have invested in him is draft capital. For quarterbacks who go late second, even in the third round, organizations are not wed to them, which is you know why he might struggle to get on the field. And it might need an injury for him to get his opportunity, but... He, he can be absolute fantasy gold as a, as a Lamar Jackson light if he's in the right system with a coach who wants to, to make it work for him. And I think if a team drafts him and that same group in a year or two years' time is still there, the same head coach and the same GM who've seen and worked with him, I, I think he can get a shot. What I fear for him is that a team's going to take a flyer on him in the second, third round. And then whoever did that, that regime is going to be moved on. And a new GM is going to come in who's got no loyalty, who has, you know, and the next the next quarterback, the next guy is going to come and the next guy and the next guy. And so often we see uh, organizational draft capital is so key to fantasy success because it's uh, teams will continue to give opportunities to guys who are drafted highly. You know, look at Brashad Perryman, right? These guys continually get opportunities. Nelson Aguilar, um, even... Even um, oh, uh, Doriel Green Beckham, right? These guys continually get opportunity after opportunity if a team 
at some point has spent a first round pick on him. And that concerns me long term. But I think the upside is so tantalizing from a fantasy perspective. This is a guy you should be grabbing in every dynasty draft possible. Okay, there's another failure that I will pencil down to you guys. So thank you for that. <laughs> We're just chalking them up, chalking them up. Um, so it's, you know, we're moving on to uh, the running back guys now, the running back class, because I think we've spent enough time talking about quarterbacks and running backs, arguably the most important position in fantasy football. And there's a couple of guys at the top of the class and it thins out towards the middle and bottom. But I'm just going to go around the room and I just want to know who do you guys think is the best and who's going to get the best running back in terms of talent and who's going to get drafted first? Uh, I mean, for me, best talent-wise, Jonathan Taylor. From, from what we've seen consistently at Wisconsin, he, he was a freak and I was not at all surprised when he put on a show at the Combine. The, the dude watching him play was really fun like i'm not a huge fan of running football teams i'm, I'm a big 12 guy i like them airing it out I, I like seeing 60 to 75 on the scoreboard at the end of the game but i really enjoyed watching wisconsin this year because they knew what they were about the big boys up front were blocking for a back who had special talent like his vision his ability to make a cut get upfield and and get after it just impressed me to no end uh, on a consistent basis. So I see him as being a, a special talent on the next level as well. Uh, I think he has like top five back in the NFL potential. And and I like, I'm, I'm all in on Jonathan Taylor, whether he's drafted as the first pick uh, running back, I'm not sure. I, I could see DeAndre Swift being a well-rounded prospect who was able, you know, has shown real good chops catching the ball out of the backfield and 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 is quite a good runner himself too. But for me, it's Jonathan Taylor all day. Yeah, I I would tend to agree. He has shown it all at Wisconsin. The the big thing about running backs is you know the wear on the tires, and he certainly has a bit of that being in a run-heavy program like Wisconsin. There was a few question marks about him receiving the ball out of the backfield, which, as we know, is a huge part of getting in the game in the NFL is can you stay on the field on third down? And he has managed to show a little bit of development in that space, which is really, really good. I'm nervous about the running back class. I don't see any elite talent. I don't believe that any of them should be drafted in the first round, but if one was to be it would probably be Jonathan Taylor. Bottom of the first round will go end up going somewhere. I'd like the Bucks to if he slips to the second round, which I doubt that he will, or as deep as the Bucks. I'd love to see Tampa Bay take him there to support Tom Brady and and that new look offense. Uh, but there's a lot of guys that I would be steering away from. I'm very nervous about because the value for running backs on an NFL level is so diminished, whilst they hold extreme value in uh, fantasy. So for me, Cam Akers is the one that I think can go and have a really, really good pro career. He was a do-it-all guy at Florida State. He was expected to run, pass, catch, you know, do it all and and has got the ability to do so. He's a, he's a hard guy to bring down between the tackles and he's shifty and quick uh, in small spaces as well. So for me, I like the look of Cam Akers as a NFL prospect. The, the other guys to mention, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Zach Moss, uh, out of Utah, both bigger type bodies that perhaps are a little bit, uh, you know, one-dimensional in the way that they're going to go about it. 
a little bit linear, uh, particularly Zach Moss. He's going to be a runner between the tackles. He's not going to blow too many games open, I don't think. So they're probably the handful of guys that I think are, are worth a look. And there's a number of others that fit in that middle ground. But for me, Jonathan Taylor, first one off the board. Yeah, for me, um, Jonathan Taylor is obviously elite, elite. I think he's really good. The problem is that he's just been worked super hard at Wisconsin. He's almost had over a thousand touches. I mean, guys, <laughs> six thousand yards rushing, um, just ridiculous production. So, obviously, if you can get him in the second round, I think a team would be happy and they just kind of just run him in the ground for his contract, and then he's done in five years, pretty much. Um, I could definitely see that happening. Uh, obviously, with the Georgia running back just turning or Georgia just churning out running back production. Uh, DeAndre Swift is an interesting prospect. I think he's probably the one with like the most home run ability of them all. Um, and a guy that just, you know, he can bring in, he plug and play him. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, even though he didn't get asked to do that a lot out of Georgia. Um, but all those guys out of Georgia are pretty um, savvy as when it comes to the pass game, except for maybe Sony Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that, I think Swift probably goes before Taylor just because of that production um, and the amount of carries that Taylor has on his body. Um, the interesting one for me, though, I think the one that might have the best career of them all is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think he becomes, you know, that scat back, that third down receiving back um, that he can give carries to, um, I guess. Not James White, because I think he's way more athletic than James White, but that type of back where, you know, he can catch five, six balls a game, and you give him five, six carries a game, and he gets you production. So fantasy-wise, I do like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It depends on his landing spot a little bit. But his talent, I do like. Uh, Cam Akers, I think, is interesting just because his team was just not great. So I think uh, we just kind of don't know what he could be. He could be, you know, real – Nice option for a team. Um, J.K. Dobbins, who no one mentioned, um, he's he's interesting. Like, I think a team should take a shot maybe on him being the second running back taken off the board if Swift goes first. And I could see that happening as well. But he also has gotten a lot of work at Ohio State. So not quite as much as Jonathan Taylor, but um, he's gotten decent um, carries in him. So um, those are kind of the top kind of – few guys that I like, but I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is probably a little sneaky um, as far as ability wise. And you mentioned the Bucks, and I think he would be an awesome fit in that offense. Uh, and there, he's there the, was some rumors about that. So there was. There's been a lot of a lot of Bucks stuff uh, around Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but I just he's he's a short little bowling ball type operator um and he he ran really well in a in a spread out offense at lsu this year and and was damaging in the past game as well he's effective one-on-one but and did a lot of dirty work for them but uh, there's just something about it i again you you want you want a second round pick to come in and have a really really big impact and for the bucks we have been just inundated with spectacularly average running backs. And to me, he just fits another one of those kind of running backs that you're not going to get anything from. He looks like Doug Martin, but won't have the same output in his first year. 
I'm not saying you have to take him in the second round. You can take him <laughs> in the third round or the fourth round, wherever he falls. But yeah, um, I think he's a, he would be an asset to where he goes. I don't I don't believe he's projected to go that high. Um, I man, there's 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 some rumblings that teams there's a handful of teams that have Edwards Hilaire as the number one running back on their board. According, well, to, according to Daniel Jeremiah. And as a sneaky little long shot bet for our listeners, he's currently $51 on sports bet to be the first running back drafted. <laughs> and, you know, it's probably, you're probably setting fire to your money, but at those odds, I, I think it would be... Sure, um, five. Sure, five. Yeah, exactly. Sprink, sprinkle a few dollars on there. Uh, me being a Florida State fan, I love Cam Akers, and it, it broke my heart to have to watch him play behind just... <laughs> absolute scrubs of an offensive line like they, they try this is how bad the offensive line was at florida state they tried to recruit a guy from their it was either shot put or hammer throw team on the athletics who who hadn't played who hadn't played football since like the 10th grade in high school they found out there was a guy on campus who used to play offensive line and had been hit in the weight room They're like would you like to quit athletics and come and play football and he turned them down this is how bad the, off- <laughs> the off- this is how bad the offensive line was there so uh, uh, uh graham barfield on twitter at graham barfield he, he writes for nfl.com really uh sharp fantasy analyst he has the uh, yards creative metric and he, he's really spent the last few years trying to you know uh, attribute success between prospects offensive line and what the back has done themselves and since 2016, when he started the metric, uh, Cam Akers has had he had 0.57 yards blocked per attempt, which is the which is the worst in yards created history in the last um, four years. And he was also contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage on 30% of his carries, which is by far the most for any running back in this class as well. I mean, he was. He was running against his own offensive line and the defensive line. So the fact that he was able to get over a thousand yards is just remarkable. So I really like Cam Akers as a, as a steal because I think teams will be concerned about that production. But I think a team that can get him in the third round is going to be very, very happy. From a pure fantasy perspective, if a player gets first round draft capital, they're a lock to succeed and they're pretty much in their first year. We've seen it time and time again. If a team drafts a running back with their first round pick, they're going to just give them the ball over and over and over. I was skeptical about Josh Jacobs as a prospect coming in. I didn't like the fact that he hadn't done too much in, in college and, and, and really couldn't carve out a workload for himself there. But the fact that the Oakland Raiders went and got him and put him behind an incredibly good offensive line spent that first round draft capital on him he was a shoe in to get to get touches and if it happens for jonathan taylor or if it happens for um yeah for deandre swift it's those guys are going to be you know just gold in in terms of of fantasy the guys that that end up in a committee it's going to be a that's going to be problematic in fact the only first round running back i can think of who didn't get touches uh, in in recent memory was was Rashad Penny and he was fat and hurt his his rookie <laughs> his rookie year so even even Sony even Sony Michelle arguably Belichick's worst draft pick in recent memory um, got got work and got volume and was you know became productive in the back half of the season that first round draft capital just so much for running backs and really that's that's how I'm looking for fantasy purposes. 
because we know so many other factors. Talent matters so little at the running back position. There's so many other factors uh, that determine fantasy success, whether it's offensive line, whether it's game script, whether it's uh, touches inside the red zone, goal line touches, uh, work in the passing game. All of these factors supersede talent from a fantasy perspective. And so the best driver of what teams think of that talent is draft capital. And so really that's how I'm going to sort these running backs out after the draft for fantasy purposes. Mm, Just writing this one down. So make sure that if a running back gets drafted by a team in the first round, pick them in fantasy. Gotcha. Absolutely. Absolutely. If a team comes up and gets Jonathan Taylor, they're going to give him 8,000 carries. Okay. And freaking... Just coming around full circle to setting your money on fire. If you've ever listened to Will's gambling prospects, then uh, he will definitely be, he'll probably drop a hundred on that Clyde Edwards Hilaire pick of yours (laughs) as well. So, (laughs) yeah, that sounds like money. I I grabbed the phone immediately, (laughs) (laughs) plugging that in, bringing up sports bets. So, I'm all about that. (laughs) I love it. Um, Is there any, any, other points you you guys want to specifically raise on running backs? Any any other names we haven't sort of touched on or, or, or deep sleepers you think could could have a role? There was, there's one that we haven't mentioned who was one of my favorite players in all of college football this year. It's AJ Dillon, running back out of Boston College. Like I, I don't know how that's going to translate because he has a fairly brutal running style. But in terms of like players that I like to watch, and I like to have fantasy players on my team that I like to watch. AJ Dillon is just a, a wrecking machine. Like he goes at it with reckless abandon. I'm, I'm huge on him. I imagine I'm going to have him in a lot of fantasy leagues this year because I, I just love the man. So for me, he's one that I'm going to be watching closely uh, over the draft weekend to see where he lands. And I really hope it's a decent spot. I, th- I don't think he's going to be drafted high enough to, to get that kind of workhorse role, but I think he could be a really nice complementary piece that could potentially really blow up if injury occurs or, or you know, things land his way. That's a, yeah. that's a really interesting, interesting name. Corey, uh, what, what do you think about Dylan? Oh, like I was just going to give you another one. Um, I don't know. I don't have a lot of insight on Dylan. I know he's a punishing runner, but that's about it. But uh, Durant, Durantin Evans from Appalachian State um, is kind of my little like sleeper kind of guy. Um, a lot of the word out of uh, some of the GMs, you know, talking about him are, you know, obviously it's a deep running back class and not huge top end stuff, but it's a deep class overall. And he's one of those guys you can fall in love with and just hold tight to and hope they don't take him. So um, he's extremely um, explosive. Um, he ran a 4-4-1-40. Um, his, he's an 86 percentile for a speed score in this, um, as far as the draft goes. Um, he's 92nd percent in burst score. Like he's, He's electric on the field, and obviously coming out of Appalachian State, um, doing a fair bit of gambling myself. Um, I saw them, you know, <laughs> win some games this year. So, um, and a lot of people don't know a lot about App State, but they were, you know, they were that team. What was it like five years ago that went into the Big House and beat Michigan before they were actually a D one team? They were one double A at that time, I think. Um, you know, so App State secretly producing a little bit of NFL talent here. And I think Durante Evans could be a nice little 
piece for a team, especially if it's like the Chiefs, like in the third round or some some amazing landing spot plus this guy's ability. I think he could be sneaky. Yeah, I like that. That's that's a good call. And just circling back to AJ Dillon, he is going to be pretty much a two down back. We know what he is. He's a, he's a bowling ball, but this guy can fly. He he weighs 247 pounds and he ran a 45340. It's absurd. He's an absolute freak. His speed score and his burst score are 97th percentile. Like once this dude gets up ahead of steam, you're not bringing him down. He's just going to run through you, run over you. He'll hurdle you. But he, you know, in in the in the right scheme, this guy will will hit home runs and uh, get opportunities at the goal line as well. So he, it's a it's it's a nice name to 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 bring up there. So Darrington and Dylan and uh, Aaron, I'll f- flick it back over to you. If there's any other names that. You, you feel we've done a disservice by not, not bringing it up. Not really. I agree with the AJ Dillon thing, though. I think the, the other thing to notice about him, he's not just a straight-ahead guy. He's actually got pretty good feet in the hole, and he's he's quite light-footed for a dude who is you know built like a fridge with legs. And he, providing he doesn't get converted to a fullback, which would be my concern if he goes into some sort of real pro style but i mean yeah there's a lot of guys here in that could actually end up as being pretty good players guys like josh kelly out of ucla who came in as a really highly recruited guy but never really got going for the bruins but he was you know highly regarded pretty athletic and just never really happened for him at the college level but had a lot of raps coming out of high school jj taylor at arizona came into this particular season with a lot of, um, you know, they were expecting a lot for him and that Wildcats offense, but that never really got going. And the other one is Eno Benjamin out of Arizona State who had a shocking combine and didn't put up great numbers, uh, but again was kind of coming into the season as, you know, a top five running back. So, you know, those guys, it wouldn't surprise me if a couple of those guys, you know, obviously will get drafted, but then just come in and, and, you know, through injuries or whatever, have a role to play on Sundays and then get a little bit of fantasy juice as well. Yeah, Eno Benjamin is a particularly interesting name because 12, 18 months ago and in Dynasty and Devi drafts, he, this guy was being touted as the, you know, potential 101 coming into, into this season and his stock has just fallen month on month on month. So whether, you know, whether his talent wasn't what we thought it was or whether he's just had a down season, it's going to be interesting to see what NFL teams think of him and if he does sneak into a, you know, a late day three pick. All righty, let's, uh, let's look at the wide receivers. And there's a lot of hype around this wide receiver class. I mean, some pe- people are saying it's, you know, the best wide receiver class in, in recent memory. It's going to rival the 2014 class. There's, there's a lot to like. There's a lot of depth. There's a lot of elite talent at the top. Uh, so let's let's kick it off with the guy who I think is the best in the class. He's my wide receiver one, and that is C.D. Lamb out of out of Oklahoma. So uh, some inter- interesting reactions there. So I'm just going to kick it straight over to you guys. C.D. Lamb, yay or nay? What do you think of him? Where do you see him landing? Uh, 
I I'm not enamored with him as a player as an athlete. I think he's a he's got a fantastic attitude and listening to some of the interviews he did this year about his development and his growth and the things he had to work on getting stronger through the lower body, developing as a blocker. They're the sorts of things you want to see from a guy who ultimately could just disregard those aspects but he hasn't he's he's really taken on this attitude that you know I can convert my weakness into a strength which is fantastic I'm just not sold about him as a a number one wide receiver who's going to come in and absolutely dominate I'm always skeptical of guys coming out of the big 12 not to say that they can't deliver but the system that they are brought up in allows them and particularly that Lincoln Riley offense allows them to see so many open looks blown coverages all over the place which isn't their fault and i appreciate that but you know there's just something about cd lamb that i just can't quite put my finger on i wouldn't be taking him as the number one guy i'm all aboard the jerry judy bandwagon uh, as an elite polished route runner um came from a very pro style friendly uh kind of system and you know we know that the tide have put out elite receivers all over the place, whether it's Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, he's just another one. And he may actually be the best one uh, out of all of them. He's crafty, he's nuanced, uh, which is something that you don't necessarily see from rookie wide receivers. So I'm expecting big things from him. And if I can get my mitts on him in fantasy, I will. Yeah, I'm. I never like when I agree with Aaron, uh, but uh, I certainly do with him on on this one. Uh, I, I kind of I echo his sentiment around Big Twelve wide receivers. Like there, there just hasn't been a great hit rate converting to the next level. Uh, and as an Oklahoma State fan myself, I can't say nice things about Asuna. Like it's just it's not in me. So uh, th- th- there are others um, that I'm sure we'll talk on later in the Big 12 who have kind of have really shown out. But CeeDee Lamb, I think it, the, the talent's there, no doubt. It's just I, I see a lot more risk associated with him than the Jerry Judy pick. Jerry Judy just seems really safe. Like his, his playmaking ability combined with his ability to create separation through smooth route combinations and, and everything that he has like he's he was the number one prospect coming into this year and then he didn't do anything to kind of step back from that like he, he was in the spotlight every week yeah he had a pretty handy supporting cast around him don't get me wrong but he just performed on a regular basis at an elite level, and he'll keep doing that on Sundays. I, I feel really, really good about Jerry Judy. CD Lamb, yeah, the the flash is there. You, you've you've seen that talent, but there's just a, a much more of a question mark around how he's going to step up than there would be for Jerry Judy there. Yeah, as for me, I'm the opposite of you guys. <laughs> I'm with Lewis. Um, I like Lamb uh, more than. Judy at this point. Um, I understand, you know, the pro style offense and blah, 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 but both of these guys have not experienced much press coverage at all. Um, neither of them. So I think both of them are going to have a little bit of a learning curve here. Um, just because, you know, Judy's ran pro routes doesn't mean he's gone against pro corners. And I think Lamb can play all three positions. I think he can move him around the field. I think he can kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, you put him in the slot, you put him outside. I think uh, Judy's more of just an outside receiver. I don't know if he's played a lot in the slot. You guys might have to help me out on that one. But um, I think Lamb's kind of that, I guess, Antonio Brown kind of 
guy where you can just kind of move them all around the field and kind of do whatever you want with them. You can scheme them open and do things like that. I think Judy's going to be a good pro. I, I think he's going to be, you know, your consummate, um, you know, a Pro Bowl caliber receiver, but he's not going to be as flashy, I guess. Um, he's just going to be your standard, you know, kind of more of a possession type receiver, I think. I don't think he's going to be as explosive. So that's probably the only reason. I think it's real close. Like, I'm not going to knock any team for taking Judy over Lamb or vice versa. Like, I just think it's it's your preference at this point. Yeah, I thank thanks for the backup on on CD Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. He's yeah. I mean that the thing that 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 does it does it for me is not not only seeing his ability and seeing that development as a as a receiver, which uh, you know has has been mentioned and turning some of those weaknesses into strength, but his his production profile is just beautiful as well, and it got better every single year. Young breakout age, just over nineteen years old, ninety sixth percentile. Uh, yards per reception he was going deep he was also getting the ball in his hands and doing a lot with it his highlight reel is just absurd and even though, even though his measurables aren't on you know he it, four a four five is is nothing to uh you know sniff at in terms of speed but at 198 you kind of expect that from him but his his anticipation and just slight movements to make guys miss I, I do get that Antonio Brown type vibe from him and where he, a guy will look to have him dead to rights and he will he just needs that half step and, and the space will be open for him. So that was something I was really impressed with, with C.D. Lamb, his anticipation and knowing when to move. And, 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 and um, oh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, uh, not pre uh, predicting... But he wasn't. He was proactive. Thank you. Proactive, um, rather than than reactive in in his movement, as particularly with the ball in his hands. So that's what I really like to see. Jerry Judy. You know, you can't go wrong with him. And he's he's you know he's very close behind for me. Just uh, a a really a really great prospect. I did I, I did hear uh, Amari Cooper's name, and I won't stand for Amari Cooper slander on this podcast that, that Judy might be better than him. So we can uh, we just I'll pop, stand pop. for it. I'll stand for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah me, me me and Corey have got uh opposing views on on amari cooper but uh yeah as as university of alabama produces just some phenomenal talent at wide receiver i think yeah jerry judy is just a, another one of those names that is gonna transition well to the nfl level and, and have success so i can't fault anyone who has judy as the, their wide receiver one another alabama wide receiver who i just cannot get on board with in pretty much any way shape or form is is henry ruggs oh i'm all over this and i 100 agree with you i he blew up i'm always nervous of guys that shoot up draft boards late um i know that may not be based on any real uh, data and the fact that there are guys that jump up late they're going and have really elite careers and and vice versa but i'm always skeptical of just go route guys and you know that's his that's his jam it's this take the top of the defense outrun everybody and we've seen these elite speed guys be so hit and miss in the past they're so unpredictable and whilst he's a fantastic athlete i am not putting my eggs in the henry ruggs basket and i just i'm steering away from him if you're looking at him to go and become you know a, a number one offensive or a number one receiver i, I don't think he's your ticket 
maybe if he can play a bit part opposite a bigger type guy, but Henry Ruggs is someone that I would steer clear of. And there's so many guys in this draft that can be had in the second, third, fourth round uh, that are going to be more impactful and have more uh, tools in the kit bag than I think what than what Henry Ruggs has got. I think you're being a bit harsh there, saying that he's only got the go route. Like he definitely has a mean slant as well. So he's got the two. He, he can he can kind of change things up. Um, I, I, I yeah, I see where you're coming from. The the thing with rugs though is his ceiling is Tyreek Hill. Like he has that potential to be that good. I don't. I, I think that's like the best case outlandish scenario that that plays out but that's his potential i mean there's not only so many people on the planet that can travel as fast as him and a handful of other dudes uh, can and as you've said the hit rate on them hasn't been great he hasn't shown out with elite numbers at alabama over the years i mean yeah a lot of mouths to feed there uh it's going to be tough for him to do that in that situation but i can certainly see Teams in the NFL who have seen the success that the Chiefs have had with an elite quarterback and really focusing on speed, like building a receiver room around speed, it, it's a copycat league. It always has been. So I, I think someone is going to reach up. And, and as Lewis was saying, draft capital is massive. And if he gets taken in the first round, if he gets taken with a top 15 pick, he's going to be given absolutely every opportunity. Like they will be scheming up to how they can get the ball in his hands. And those are touches. So I th- I think he's not one that I'm going to be targeting, but he's going to get every opportunity to be successful at the next level. Yeah, I'm totally out on rugs. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I'm just – I watched the LSU game just because uh, LSU, very good uh, DB room. They're known as DBU around the – college tracks and he basically did nothing in that game he caught a couple deep ends um that developed super late i just think he's just i don't know what it is but i don't think he's not very strong like he just not he's not um a physical presence at all um obviously he's super fast and you know that's something that teams will have to deal with um as you've seen in the NFL, smart teams can take those kind of guys away, um, especially if he's on a team like with without the quarterback of that has a howitzer like Patrick Mahomes. Like you can't just compare him to Tyreek Hill and then you know Tyreek Hill on the Jets is going to be Tyreek Hill on the Chiefs. Yeah. It's, not, it's not the same. Um, so yeah, he can run. He's fast. He can take a top off the defense. But if you're talking top fifteen pick. I am totally out on that because I don't think he's ever going to be a number one receiver. Like, what are you drafting? I'm sure you can find another burner um, around the tracks here in the later parts of the draft. Maybe not 4-2-7 speed, maybe 4-3, maybe 4-4. That can, you know, at least threaten those deep safeties um, that you don't have to spend that kind of draft capital on. And as far as, like you said, you can scheme them open and things like that, I don't think he can. I'm, that's that's my worry with him. I don't know if you can. Like, are you just going to throw him a bunch of screen passes and hope that he breaks some tackles? But that's um, not his go either. Like, he, you never saw him used in that way at Alabama. He was never catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage like CeeDee Lamb was. So, 
It's not. It's that deep in, deep out, comeback route, hoping he can beat someone one-on-one. And if you wanted a speed guy, go and pay Robbie Anderson. He was sitting there in free agency for Forever. like ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, the physical corner thing, I'm just really worried about. And unless they throw him in like in the slot and he can kind of get an easy release. Um, but yeah, I don't think you're going to draft the top, you know, 14, 15 guy and play him in the slot. I don't think that's what you're drafting him to do. So my biggest concern, obviously, is his release, um, press coverage, and then just him being able to run a full route tree and becoming a number one receiver. Okay, I've really been put in my box here. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the huge flag for me with Henry Rooks is that from an analytical standpoint, he's never quote-unquote broken out, and that means a 20% uh, uh, dominator rating. Uh, which is the you know uh, amalgamation of yards and touchdowns, and he has scored a lot of touchdowns, but he's never commanded a serious market share in any season he's played. And I, I appreciate the argument that Jerry Judy's been there. They had uh, Devonte Smith. They had his Adrian Waddle as well. But there's still other guys getting targets. And if this is a guy who some people have as the number one wide receiver in his class, he couldn't even hold a candle to the production that Jerry Judy was was demanding and, and getting open. And it's just a huge, huge red flag for me. And I've seen him comp to Deshaun Jackson, which is just infuriates me because Deshaun Jackson is literally the best deep threat in potential in, in modern NFL history. Like, he's just absurdly good, and I don't think people truly appreciate how good Deshaun Jackson's been in a in a specific role. And I, for the for the, the price that a team is going to have to pay, they're going to be – as you said, it's a copycat league, and someone thinks they're getting Tyree Kill, and Ruggs is not Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill is very, 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 very special. As his ceiling, yeah, that, that, that comp is there, but the likelihood – of him getting to that ceiling is just so low for me. Tyreek has a complete route tree. He's a can carry the football, phenomenal returner. Rooks hasn't even had a you know a great hit production as a returner either. Very average. So it's just it scares me. And is could I could I look completely idiotic? Absolutely. But there's just so many red flags for what a team is going to have to spend to 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 get him. And and also the same applies in fantasy as well. Where you know we're talking if we're talking rookie drafts. People are spending a mid to high first round pick on Henry Ruggs in rookie drafts, and I just can't do it. I won't do it. I refuse. Yeah, look, if he if he goes off this year, uh, and I'm lucky enough to be back here next year, then it's going to be the first thing you're going to be hearing from me. <laughs> you're taking receipts. You're taking receipts. Yeah, right you're, yeah please. <laughs> Let's take the receipts, and you're already more than welcome back for next year. And I can't wait to to revisit the uh, the rugs debate. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm only concerned I'm not all in on him. Like that's that's what I, I'm I'm certainly more in than you guys are, but uh, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Like a lot of that is incredibly valid. Yeah, just just like relative to us, you're the biggest Henry Ruggs fan in the world. Apparently. That's, that's, Apparently. <laughs> it's all relative. It's all relative. All right. Um, so that's that's sort of the, uh, the, the the three biggest names in the class. And by, by, by every sort of mock draft and every analyst, these are going to be the first, first three names off the board. And then it really is dealer's choice with some of the names that are, that are going to be next. And they all have quite different profiles. We've got Justin Jefferson from LSU. We've got Jalen Rager from TCU. Uh, a late name that's that's come into the mix recently is Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State as well. 
So the, the, those three guys are names that are getting some first round buzz potentially. Hey, don't you dare! Don't you dare forget my boy, <laughs> Denzel. Denzel You're Mims. You're doing it on purpose. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, Lavisca Chanel. Yeah, Lavisca Chanel. I was about to get there. Now I don't think he'll. He's. I. I. I I love LaVisca, so I'm going to let you talk about him all, all you want. But I just don't think he's going to go in the first round because of his, his big uh, injury concerns. I, I, you know, I would, would like to see it because that would be great for him. And, uh, you know, Pat's take him at 23, please. But I just don't think it's going to, I just don't think it's going to happen. But um, we're def- definitely going to talk, talk uh, Chenault as well. But um, from, from those names, who's, who's jumping out as your, as your, as your favorite? I mean, for me, I, I have one other that you haven't mentioned that I, I really like, and that's T. Higgins at, at Clemson. He's one that has been really quiet throughout this whole postseason period. It, it just seems that there's a lot of love going everywhere else, and he was a model of consistency at Clemson. They won a hell of a lot of football games on the back of a lot of good outings from him. Like He, he was incredibly pr- productive. He's tall. He goes up and gets it he's athletic like i think people think because he is so tall that he doesn't have that speed i think he's shown that he has like i don't have his his numbers here but like he he was a really impressive specimen that i think has kind of flown under radars and i'm a lot bigger on him than what the consensus seems to be like i have both t higgins and then lavisca chenault like right behind those top two i have them both ahead of henry rocks but um <laughs> I mean, for me, those two guys, uh, I'm really big on for this year's class, uh, and and I love. Yeah, I really like T. Higgins. Uh, if you know, as Corey mentioned, LSU is known as DBU. Clemson is very much wide receiver U, and has been for sort of the past five years or so, just churning out consistent talent. My my comp for T. Higgins, and at the risk of sounding very lazy, is is Mike Williams, another Clemson product. <laughs> they have basically the same physique. They're both six four. Williams is a little thicker, but both used in a very similar way. Both have the a same sort of speed score. And he's Mike Williams without injury concerns, right? He he didn't have the neck injury that or anything serious that Mike Williams had. We've seen Williams struggle with injuries, but when he's been healthy, he's been very, very good as a deep threat and as a as a deep as a deep ball guy and a and a you know contested catch guy and i think t higgins has that opportunity as well i think a team is going to get a great steal on t higgins bearing in mind that mike williams was i think the seventh overall pick for the Chargers a few years ago and i really like the upside of, of, of t higgins so uh, i'm i'm glad you 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 brought him up yeah i think there's a whole bunch of other guys as well that you can like you said earlier pick your poison a little bit what do you want and who have you fallen in love with the most whether that's an attitude thing or a, a piece that's missing from your offense. I think there's some really interesting guys out there that can offer some different things. I think Justin Jefferson is a fantastic all-around wide receiver and can play both inside and outside. I was asked to do a whole bunch of different stuff at LSU and is certainly a fantastic player. Uh, and and the staff there uh, down in Baton Rouge rave about him as a person. I think Chase Claypool, not that I rate him, but he brings something slightly different. He's a big, almost borderline flex tight end type that played wide receiver for, out of Notre Dame, and, and he could bring something if that's what you're after. If you want another speed guy and you don't get Henry Ruggs, well, you've got guys like Jalen Rager there and KJ Hamler. Uh, you've got 
you know, I'd love LaVisca Chenault, so I'd be taking him higher. But for me, I think this the real smoky that I think you can get super late just because the wide receiver position will be not devalued, but because there's so much talent there, you don't need to pull the trigger early, which slides guys like Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC way down. And I think he's going to be a really, really good piece, the son of former uh, okay running back, I suppose, out of who played at the Cardinals and the Bucks as well, Michael Pittman. And I think he's going to be a really, really good one in the NFL. And like I said, whatever you want, you can go and grab between the rounds kind of two and five. Yeah, as far yeah. as um, receivers, I love this class. Uh, there's so many guys. I've watched pretty much the top maybe 25, 30 guys film. Like, Chenault-wise, I wasn't in initially. Like, I was reading the tea leaves everyone was spitting out. I watched all about six or seven of his games from this past season, and I was like, yeah, this guy's pretty legit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so – I'm, I'm in on Chanel all the way. Um, maybe you guys could talk about, um, especially Big 12 fan over there, Jalen Rieger and Denzel Mims. I love Jalen Rieger. His speed is ridiculous. His, the way he cuts is nasty. And he just was on a terrible team with terrible offense. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, me and Aaron have very different views on Jalen Rieger. I, I'm super high on him. And it, and it all comes back to me. Like, I watched him just carve up my Oklahoma State Cowboys on one outing. Like, he single-handedly took the game away. Uh, he had, you know, over uh, over 10 catches and was just electric. No one could tackle him. I mean, I'm not all that uh, unfamiliar with that, being an Oklahoma State fan. Tackling's not <laughs> high on the radar there. But he was just running at a different speed to everyone else on the field. And like ever since that moment, that was a couple of seasons ago, I've been like, this guy is special. And and I've, I've kind of watched that progress. And I'm really happy to see that he did kind of take that step. Like he, he didn't kind of fall away. He, he's getting some first round love. And I think that's deserved because he, he has the opportunity to be special. I think there is that risk that we could potentially have similar situation to uh, – uh, like other big 12 receivers. like th- th- There's got to be that risk. Th- th- it just exists because we've seen it so, like, you know, my boy James Washington coming out, Justin Blackman before him. There's, there's a couple of Oklahoma State boys uh, and then Corey Coleman out of Baylor, uh, a few out of West Virginia. That th- th- There's just a, a laundry list of names that have kind of fizzled out after coming from the Big 12. So he does carry that risk tag with him, but he's certainly someone that I'm going to be targeting because I just love the way he plays and I'm willing, um, it's, a, it's a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah, so I, I wanted to get your opinion on that just because you watch tons of Big 12 football. But uh, a couple of guys that we haven't mentioned that I absolutely love. Tyler Johnson, I'm from yes. Minnesota. So, but he's from Minnesota. He played high school football in Minnesota. He's played for Gophers. Like, this guy is a beast. I don't understand. I keep – I think we talked about this last pod, though. But um, there's all this hate on him for some reason on Twitter. I don't – yeah, there's so much hate for Tyler Johnson, and it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. Like, everything I hear from back home, like, he's a community guy, done all the right things. Obviously, he didn't go to the um, – or wasn't invited to the senior ball, so he didn't go to the East West Shrine game or something like that. Yeah. So I think he got kind of 
tick down for that. But as far as the player, I love him on the field. I think he it's a big target. He can kind of do it all. He can do screens. He can go deep. He can do pretty much anything you want him to do. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. He's big enough to play outside. Um, he's kind of that big slot as well. Um, in the red zone, I think he'd be an awesome target. Uh, heck, I don't <laughs> I don't know. I love him. So what, what are you guys' opinion on Tyler Johnson? And I got one more for you after that. Massive Tyler Johnson fan. I think he was fantastic this year. Um, and PJ Fleck did a fantastic job at the Gophers. But I think he, you know, if he comes on the field as a number two guy opposite, you know, one of these big name wide receivers, whoever that may be, he's going to be a matchup nightmare getting one-on-one looks. He has got the ability to make guys miss. He's, he's a crisp route runner. He can you know, work the intermediate and short game. He can easily take those now screens like he was doing earlier this or in the past season and he was taking them for, you know, to the house at times and then he can take the top off as well. I think he's got all the tools that you look for and if he's getting one-on-one looks, he's going to be hard to stop. Yeah, I, I, I agree and I think it's an interesting one because I look at kind of where I've left from the season to where we are now and I've jumped a few guys ahead of him and I don't think that's through any fault of, of his. Like I don't know if I'm just subconsciously listening to what's kind of happening around or I'm just buying into some of the, you know, the Denzel Mims love with uh, the numbers that he's putting up and stuff and I, I think he's been dropping down and that, and that is probably a – uh, something that's happening, you know, around the world with with him. But the talent is there. We've seen it on the field. There's a reason that we left the season where they play football, uh, and he was like considered to be a really elite talent. So I think that's a, a really intriguing name that you've brought up there, and and one that uh, I might need to go have a, a look back more at some film. I love I love Tyler Johnson as well. I think a team is going to get an absolute steal. He just seemingly isn't on the radar right now for for some reason. And it was strange he didn't get the invite to the Senior Bowl, particularly when you look at some of the other other names that did. And it it seems like he's had a bit of the the Darius Geis treatment. Remember Geis fell on draft day because there was just these rumors that he was bad character and they were just bullshit rumors. And it seems that the same thing is going on with Tyler Johnson. I've seen on Twitter people talking like he's a bad character guy, but there's literally no incidents that people can pinpoint to. I'm not entirely sure what's going on with Tyler Johnson, but production-wise, he's been nothing short of spectacular. Uh, his dominator rating in his in his final year is 98th percentile, which is just absurd. 1300 yards and 13 touchdowns. He's just been been a beast and commanded a huge target share, nearly 33%, despite playing with uh, Rashad Bateman as well, mm-hmm. who people are super excited for next season. So he was still able to 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 really be the focal point of that offense with a with a you know, another receiver that people are touting as a first, second round pick already for next year. So it just shows you how well regarded he was in that offense by that coaching staff. And I think a team is going to get an absolute steal with Tyler Johnson come draft draft time. Yeah, just a little tidbit on him. He's working out with Adam Thielen right now. So, you know, couldn't work out with a nicer guy. So um, <laughs> just real quick, this one's a little bit out of left field. I love this yeah. guy's film, though. He's just a treat to watch. Um, Lynn Bowden Jr. from Kentucky. Oh, woof. What are your thoughts? Can he yeah, be? Is, is he going as a quarterback? Or I'm no, not big on picking quarterbacks to play wide receiver. But 
Uh, or is it a running back? Because he played all three. Like yeah. he led them in like passing <laughs> yards, rushing yards, and receiving yeah. yards, which is yeah. just insane. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, he's a com- dynamic athlete, obviously, uh, and slightly undersized a fraction, I suppose. He's going to have to be a, a slot guy uh, in at the next level. Uh, I I haven't watched enough of him at receiver, to be honest. I was watching him run around for the Wildcats in the backfield, uh, but he was a bit of a do-it-all kind of guy. And even the year before where you know, he was running a lot of those end-around or reverses, jet sweeps sort of stuff, and and he was a big part of that in their offense. And But uh, I wouldn't be taking – I think there's too many other good pieces uh, as an undersized, twitchy type. I think there's there's other guys you could be looking at in the draft further down uh, that that possibly fit that mould. Uh, you know, uh, who am I thinking of? Maybe a Quintus Cephas, but he was he's a bit of a bigger body, slower type dude. But I think if you're going to pull the trigger on something like that, I I would rather go after. I know we're talking Lavisca Chenault again, but I'd rather go Lavisca Chenault as someone who can do a bit of everything. Uh, and or if you're wanting a true speed guy, then I'm going KJ Hamler. But yeah, I, I I'm not as big on Lynn Bowden Jr. If you're taking him as a backup quarterback, like maybe yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Bowden Jr. is expected to be like a mid round pick, so he's yeah, not. Yeah with those guys anyway i was just a team's gonna get a, a great football player an athlete someone they can put in different situations i don't think he's gonna be a, a you know anytime soon a hugely relevant fantasy asset but you can't help think you know kentucky wildcat quarterback does it all slot receiver jet you just it's randall cobb right and you, <laughs> you that's you can't help but have that comparison and who has gone on to have a you know a very productive nfl career Randall Cobb, who's highly thought of in the league, who keeps getting contracts, even though, you know, may, may be questionable. To teams still want to want to pay Randall Cobb. He's only 29 years old, and it can still do a job for teams from the slot. And potentially, you know, a team's going to get uh, Lim Bowden really, really cheaply, and they can uh, they can use him as a you know as a multi-tool football player, which is difficult for fantasy because you can't project that volume. But someone who might make the offense better, particularly if you get him with a with a creative play caller. I mean, Julian Edelman had thirteen hundred yards rushing his senior year as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I think I've, in in terms of just the wide receiver class as a whole, though, it would not surprise me to see kind of you know all-time players come out of this draft. If you had four or five go to the Hall of Fame in this day and age of football and and the fact that pushing the ball downfield is what the game is all about now it wouldn't surprise me to see these guys a number of these guys push on to have fantastic careers and this go down as one of the historic drafts for wide receivers my record keeping ain't that great so i don't know if i can hold on to those receipts that's going to be too long <laughs> for me to hold you hold you to account on four Hall of Fame, fame receivers to come out of this I class. said he wouldn't surprise me again. Hedging, hedging my bets there, my man. Yeah, I just just circling back to Jalen Rager. I he's one of my favorite guys. Um, potentially even my my wide receiver three in the class. Just incredible athlete, as you guys mentioned, and also arguably had the worst quarterback situation um, for a receiver. He played with eight different quarterbacks in three years. 
Like, and his kid, according to PFF, has the worst catchable ball rate as well. I mean, it was just absurd how bad the uh, quarterback play was for Riga. And he made, you know, very bad quarterbacks look barely serviceable, which is just a, 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 a an incredible talent uh, um, that he that he had to, to do that. So very excited about him. Uh, and again, I'm I'm thinking he's going to be drafted, you know, at the end of the first round. Uh, if not high, high in the second round as well. So he's he's one of my favorites. A guy who I don't get, I really don't understand, and he's starting to get some first round buzz or early second round buzz. Is I mentioned his name before is Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State, JUCO transfer, played wide receiver for a couple of years, uh, and then Arizona State was the only university that wanted him to play wide receiver. Everyone else wanted him to convert to cornerback or be a return specialist. He's six foot. I think he's got six, six or six, eight wingspan. He's got some freaky arms on him, but I just don't see it. It scares me. He really is that one year sort of breakout guy. Uh, and his age as well. He's, he's an older prospect because of his time in, in Juco. So uh, Ayuk scares me. Do uh, Aaron or Will, do you guys have, have thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I think there was big raps coming in on him, you know, with Eno Benjamin as well. And Arizona State were under Herm Edwards. I think it's year three or two there for him, maybe year two for him last year. And they're expecting such big things from their offensive skill position guys. And and off the back of Nikhil Harry and what he did the, the year prior, it just didn't happen for him. And I think not quite the big body that they're expecting. He's not as... Um, you know, physically intimidating, I think, in a similar way that uh, Corey mentioned about Henry Ruggs. I think Brandon Ayuk just didn't have that presence on the field that, uh, you know, that you really want to see from a number one wide receiver and, and some something that we're seeing from a lot of these guys. And, and certainly uh, he needed to – something that we saw from Tyler Johnson, I guess, out of Minnesota was that he commanded and demanded that attention and – and Brandon Ayuk just never really got off the leash. Uh, he wasn't consistent enough in his route running. And I think that he's got a long way to go. I'm, I'm probably steering clear of him as a prospect. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one too. I've got nothing else I can add to that. I, I feel the same way in that there's I, – I don't understand where this love for him is coming, um, but it's, he's not a target that I'll be going after. Yeah, I think NFL teams love to project that upside and a great returner, great with the ball in his hands, but a lot of work required on his game. And uh, def I definitely don't see a number one receiver uh, and certainly not a fantasy relevant receiver anytime soon in, in Brandon Ayuk. No, not at all. We can move the tight ends because I'm out on a. All right, all right, he's out. Yep, let's 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 do it. Let's move on to to tight ends, and we're going from a a deep this could talented, be yeah, yeah, deep talented, nasty, productive, explosive wide receiver class to a tight end group that is just meh. <laughs> right, there's just no one's excited about this this tight end group, um, and there isn't a whole lot to get excited <laughs> excited about. Right, I mean, there is there is some you know potential down the road of tantalizing upside of um, of, of Albert O. 
I won't. At, uh, sorry, who's Albert O? I don't know how to pronounce his last. <laughs> can you just uh, really clarify? I'm glad because that would have blown me away. If you just <laughs> knocked that off and nailed it, I would have just straight walked out. Albert Okwebunam. I think yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I think yeah, there you oh. go. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Receipts. Uh, it's that English. It's the English background. Just that's it. You know, uh, we're yeah, pr- 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 pronouncing uh, co- complex surnames with from, from a country <laughs> who's who's given you uh, Smith. Uh, yeah i I mean i can keep this really short and sweet i don't think there's anyone really to get too excited about when when cole Komet is mentioned as you know one of the top guys and he's like a blocking tight end uh, and that's not what we really need in the nfl these days Uh, what do you have 15 receptions last year something like that like that's what we're dealing with thad moss is the other guy at lsu who's making i say some waves but these are these are like these are waves on the mid coast of South Australia. Like they are pathetic, and you know he was again a beneficiary of um, Joe Brady and that LSU wide open offense, and and had a couple of good moments. And yeah, he could develop into a into an okay guy, but he's six two, fractionally undersized. Uh, you know, maybe he's a, a bit more of a move tight end. But outside of that, Albert O was fractionally disappointing at Missouri this year, and and from that point on, ugh, yuck. Yeah, that Thaddeus Moss, I think, is a, uh, as well as a bit of a beneficiary of the the name on his jersey as well, and the fact that teams are, uh, opposing defenses are worried about Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, and uh, it's it's you know finding himself a lot of space in, in, in the Brady scheme there. So I'm not too interested in in Moss. We expected more from, from Albert O, particularly given his just uh, frightening athletic ability and upside. And, you know, coming from the tight end factory that is Missouri, that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it just hasn't quite fulfilled the upside that people thought he would have but he's a project and the team's going to take it take a shot on him because because he's a physical freak and he you know will be one of them if he if he sort of makes it in the next couple of years will be one of the most physically gifted tight ends in in the league so um yeah that's 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 his his situation is there any of the names that interest you adam troutman's getting some buzz as a as a, a small school guy well, I personally, I like Harrison Bryant. I think he's the best one of all of them. Um, you know, he's F- F-A-U the- love. Yeah, let's do it. Florida <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he just produced. I mean, he led all tight ends nationally, 65 catches, 1,000 yards, scored seven times in 12 starts. You know, he had a little bit of illness leading up to the team's ball game, decided not um, to play, but – um, otherwise, you know, he's got that kind of, you know, that basketball fluidity and movement around the field that everyone looks for in these tight ends. So, um, and he offers that second and third level pass catching option. So I think he's a guy that you can also split out wide in certain situations. So we've seen that be pretty effective with, you know, the top tight ends, just lining them up on a corner and then you just boxing them out and winning those, winning those routes. So I think he's probably my favorite tight end in this draft. Um, and if there's one I'm going to grab in a dynasty league, um, you know, those tight end bonus slate, or they call now the tight end super Premium. league. 
tight end yeah, premium. Sorry, tight end premium leagues um, where they get you know bonus points. Like that's, that's a guy I'm grabbing and holding on to for you know a couple seasons because with most tight ends they don't really develop in the first year. It takes a couple seasons for them to get their feet wet, as they say. Yeah, I mean, you you bang on. There's no one in this class in a redraft format that's going to have an impact on this year. I mean, there's, the talent's not here. We can't be that surprised because Iowa had two elite tight end prospects last year, and they're the only school that produces tight ends. So if they've got two in one year, then we're going to have like a year off before they can restock <laughs> and provide some more talent. So I'm not all that shocked. Uh, from a dynasty standpoint, if, if I'm taking my punt, it's on Albert O. Like it, it's not going to happen straight away, but I'll, I'll back in those athletic gifts and and have my gamble there. The rest of it, I'll yeah, I'll pass. Yeah, certainly nothing on the radar for redraft this year, and really only interesting dynasty in in tight end premium start two tight end leagues where the positional value is is you know forces you to take an interest in these guys. But in your even in your traditional just start one tight end dynasty. Unless you're spending a late third round pick on a guy, it's probably it's probably not much of an interest to anyone at this position. There's just yeah. I'd just about just take Gronk and hope that he somewhere signs on with the Patriots again. Well, next this, year. you know what? Cir- cir- circling around because that <laughs> did come to my mind as we were talking about tight ends. And maybe this is a good way to wrap the show up with a little bit of silliness, a bit of a rumor, but the the it is starting to come together. That, that Gronk wants to play with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay oh. and that he will only come out of retirement if the Patriots have agreed a trade because they still own his rights, obviously. And there's talk about OJ Howard going the other way and the Patriots doing something there. Now, it could just be silly season. And according to Jay Glazer, Gronk is looking incredibly trim. They, he works out <laughs> at his gym and he's not anywhere near his, his current playing size. Having said that, with the uh, fantastic supplementation regimes that um, Gronk has no doubt been on his entire career and the NFL is, is so fond of. He could be getting back up to his 260 pretty comfortably, I would imagine. Uh, you know, e- e- eating eating some food, drinking his brother's line of protein shakes and, uh, you know, skirting through the, the incredibly lax new drug policy that's being agreed <laughs> as well. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities that Gronk could could come back and yeah, I'd be spending that late third round pick on on Gronk rather than uh, some of these some of these tight ends. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, is, is there any names that you guys would like to, like to throw out there? Anyone else we haven't haven't discussed or? Uh, do you, I feel it was a pretty pretty comprehensive list of all of the uh, the skill position players. Yeah, I mean that's pretty deep. We've 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 gone across there. I think there are a couple on the receivers, like uh, your Donovan Peoples Jones and your Devin Duvernay. Like it, it just speaks to how deep the receiver group is this year. That that that's where you're going to find a lot of talent. Uh, like later in drafts, especially in your dynasty formats, because it's just a really deep, talented class. Like Donovan Peoples Jones was the number one receiver. Uh, coming out of high school in 2017, five-star kid, didn't produce, but Michigan's quarterback situation hasn't been great. Their offense hasn't really got clicking. I, I think there's potential there that he could really show out. Uh, and Devin Duvernay is a dude who just doesn't drop the ball out of Texas. 
Like he he has his catch rate is something insane. I think he's a, a good uh, athlete, a, a good kid, and he's going to find a spot and work hard. And it wouldn't surprise me if if he carved out a, a really successful NFL career as well. Yeah, he's from the Big Twelve though, so just keep that in mind. <laughs> mm. Yeah, what one more name I'll throw in there as well uh, before we wrap things up is Denzel Mims. I don't think we we brought him up. That's just uh, just another name in this deep deep class of a guy who's a a really really good athlete has produced well, broke out at a young age. Just all of the boxes are ticked for Mims, and it's just going to be a case of what team likes him and and where he's going to go in the draft because he's going to be you know a team is going to I think invest in Mims as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, if uh, Corey, I was just going to say, um, just yeah, obviously to that effect with the receivers like Van Jefferson, um, and then one little small school guy that I like, Antonio um, Antonio Gandy Golden from La Tech, oh. maybe <laughs> Liberty. Now Liberty, small Liberty. <laughs> four two twenty three four six forty. Um, go watch the film. I'll just say that. <laughs> Go watch you some Liberty film. Yeah, I can't say we watch a lot of Liberty. Like we, we do watch a lot of college ball, but uh... yeah, <laughs> I'm not even I'm not even sure Liberty watches a lot of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> They, they just get freaks like uh, AGG and say go out, go out and play, and and they go and dominate because he's he's certainly done that from a from a production p- perspective. Three three years in a row of posting a thousand yards, just been a, a dominant receiver for them. Uh, double digit touchdowns as well every single year. Really the the focal point of their offense. But yeah, as Curry says, go watch the film and uh, you know he look 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 for that name if a if a you know a team is is uh, going for a bit of a later wide receiver. Uh, but yeah, guys, uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for for coming on and, and joining us and talking talking some of these prospects as we get close to the draft. It's what Tuesday night as we record, so only only three more sleeps to the draft. Uh, really looking forward to that. Um, I, I mean, I was I was about to ask how are you guys going to spend it, and then I realized everyone's going to be spending it the same way. Just 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 sat at home, unfortunately, <laughs> this year, which which kind of sucks. Uh, it's going to be. I tell you what, though, I am excited to see how this draft works with all the guy with all the teams and their computers, and whether whether uh, Dave Gettleman is going to alt F four his 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 browser and. <laughs> He's copying a lot of heat unfairly, I think. Quite in terms fairly. Of his- Quite fairly. <laughs> that fucking caveman, Dave Gettleman. <laughs> I think the other thing just to note about the draft, though, that this is literally the only sporting event just about on the planet at the moment, except for what is it, Belarusian football or something obscure somewhere so like literally if you've got nothing else to gamble on you know this is something you can get around and and it you know probably gives some sense of normality to a very odd situation at the moment so i think everyone's going to be dialed in there's a lot of excitement around the the prospects the players uh, and the teams and what they're going to do as well and and it would be really unfortunate if your team just didn't have a pick in the first round i think that would be the most disappointing way to spend your you know your draft. I'll just I'll I'll put on my Khalil Mack highlight reel and then I'll feel real good about myself. So so, so don't worry about this uh, Chicago no, Bears fan. You know it just 
just because you don't have a pick in the first round, it doesn't matter because you can feel really confident in the future of your franchise quarterback. So (laughs) now we're all sinking the boot in, are we? It's all good. It's all good. No, but in all in in all, all seriousness, like this is this is a once in a potential lifetime event the, the way the draft is going to be it's an incredibly unique experience i'm really looking forward to seeing how it goes it's something different and as you said there's nothing else to gamble on so do your bit for the economy take take your job keeper your job seeker your stimulus stimulus and send it on over to sports bet because i believe they just merged with bet easy so uh let's let's support our gambling industry that likes to uh take advantage of us and destroy lives and marriages and, and, and reinvest, reinvest into the economy that, that Australia is run on. It's the right thing to do. And I mean, it's, it, it it's is the, the only right thing, thing to do. It is the only thing going on so much to the dry run that they had where the GMs were picking legendary players. I was hoping that they would televise that so I could watch that and gamble on that because <laughs> That's where we're at. That's what that's what that would have for. been insane. A legends draft in the first round. That would have been so much fun, and there would be so much argument and debate, and so much to gamble on. That Real missed opportunity. Oh, when and we just get closer to the season, um, we'll have to talk because I'm I'm a big gambler as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the the issue is as as Aaron has kind of friendly friendlyly pointed out. I'm I'm a big gambler, but the success of the picks on the show probably haven't been as uh, fruitful as I was hoping. But there is a, a popular ploy out there from our listeners, which is just to delay my bets, play against me, and it's money. Fade, <laughs> fade or follow, always fade or follow. <laughs> put the onus back on the on the viewer or the listener. <laughs> Uh, no, this has been great. I really appreciate it, guys. Really appreciate uh, you having us on to talk football. We love doing it. it it's been really, really good fun tonight. So thank you very much. Yeah, oh, thank absolutely. you. You guys, it's been you guys nice are to, welcome. Sorry. It's been no. nice to see some other people's faces for once. I'm sick of seeing Will's bloody egg head every week. So it's really nice to, to freshen things up a fraction. Uh, yeah, you know, I can't say the same for Corey. It is only the uh, the the second second episode, so I'm not quite sick of that handsome face yet. But you know, give it give it a few weeks, and and, and may- maybe I maybe I will be. But yeah, really appreciate you guys coming on. It's been a blast. You uh, you're welcome back anytime to to talk football with us. Uh, all I can say is I hope we have a college football season. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna happen. Although maybe the fans won't be involved. Tell you what, that that would have to suck going to maybe, yeah. maybe be, be go, like being your final season or something at a, at a you know a power football school and not being able to go to the games and tailgate. That would be uh, that'd be devastating. But uh, just let our listeners know where they can find you one more time: uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Yeah, so we're at CFB Down Under on Twitter and on Instagram as well. Will runs the socials uh, in a very average fashion, but uh, make sure you do hit us up there and uh, we'll certainly be uh, you know, moving into getting a bit more gear out as the hopefully the season starts to draw fractionally closer. But thanks again for your guys' support as well and, and all the best for your upcoming season and draft also. Appreciate it. Thanks very much, guys. And uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning into the Vault Studio. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to keep up with our video content, head over to YouTube, subscribe, and click the notification bell. Thanks for listening. <laughs>